Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly Rugby World Cup show, as we shift attention from recapping to previews. With the quarterfinals just a few sleeps away, the going is getting tough and the excitement is absolutely palpable for it. Joining me tonight are three old guests who all believe they have another few weeks in France to come. Firstly, we welcome back our sole Irish representative tonight in the form of Power Kelly. So welcome on, Park. Uh, thanks, Ken, for having me back on again. It's uh, great to be here. Great to be talking about a quarterfinal. Yeah, you're the first Irish person to say that, really. Um, we <laughs> There is always that dread, but it is good to be talking about it with, with more excitement and optimism. And joining him is our English representative of the night and sale fan turned writer, Ben Nurse. So welcome back, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me. Proud and surprised to be representing England in a quarterfinal podcast. Yeah, there's there's been a bit of that to be fair, especially coming into the tournament. But you're here, we're all here now by hook or by crook. And joining them finally is Rap Pod co-host and Cardiff fan, the one lonely Harley Worthy. So welcome to the podcast, Harry. Uh, good evening. Uh, great to be on here. A long time listener. Been joining. Been uh, hoping to get my debut here. We we like to hand over to have debut caps, but I. I think we might be the first since Stephen Donald to give one in the knockout stages. I'm not really sure, but <laughs> here, here we go. Anyways, we're going to start with Wales against Argentina. As that's the first game of the weekend, um, and we'll just move to as the schedule goes. So it's to Paris to Marseille first. This was always kind of a, a possible quarterfinal matchup, guys, because yeah, Argentina could have come top, Wales could have come second, or you know, as the other way around, it ended up being. But very few saw it unfolding just how it has, I suppose. Harley, as as our, not token, but as our Welsh representative, how are you feeling heading into, into, into this quarterfinal? 
pretty pretty good. I mean, Wales. I mean, I remember about twelve months ago, I was predicting Wales to finish fourth and have to go through qualifying the way way we were going under Pivac. So having Gatland back just made it a bit better, and just seeing us play, and it's it it reminds me of back like what twenty nineteen in our peak when. All right, it wasn't the rugby everyone wanted to watch. Well, apart from me, because it's the sort of high tech tactical stuff and pure effort I love. But you're you're on the right podcast for that, anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah, I, I feel pretty confident. I know Argentina aren't aren't, aren't a push over side, but they're a team we we tend to beat more often than we don't. And I think this Gatlin side, you know, that's the steel's back. So I feel like anything Argentina trying to throw at us, they've got the calm, cool heads to to push through. No, oh, and it is one of those matchups in that regard, as you said, that, you know, Wales do seem to have the edge in this one. But, you know, World Cups, they haven't played in a lot of World Cup matchups either. And it's a, it's a whole new kettle of fish. But, Ben, I just want to get your take on... Warren Gatland as a kind of neutral observer because the job he's done has been incredible and we're actually at the point now where even if Wales lose you could make a case that's even been a successful World Cup coming top of their group so dominantly as they have so what what do you make of of Wales World Cup so far and, and has it been a success so far? I think definitely I think if you told Welsh fans before the tournament You'd win four from four in the group and get to the quarterfinal. They'd bite your hand off in a second. But then at the same time, the way it's played out, the way they've been playing and the way Argentina have played, which is not amazing, that they'll still be disappointed if they lose this game, which is incredible to say that Wales fans will be disappointed to not make the semi-final, especially saying that before the tournament. What Gatlin's done is, is remarkable because he's taken a team that was perennial fifth place finish in the Six Nations and then taking him straight back to the team that he had playing the best rugby in, in Welsh rugby history a few years ago in, in just a few months turnaround. So I, I think yes and no for, for is it a successful World Cup? I think they'll hope to win this game, but at the same time, even being in the quarterfinal right now is is remarkable. Yeah, it it really is. And I suppose some people thought they go out in the group, some people did think they'd go this far. I was one of those. I just felt like it was there for them. It, w- it would have been proper Gatland tactical masterclass they were to do it, and they have. But they are up against a stiff Argentinian opposition, even if some people, and I listened to Barry Jackman on the Roar podcast, he was kind of downplaying Argentina's performance against Japan as it was extremely fast and loose. So, Farag, to, to bring you into this one, it's really been a case of Argentina not fully being the side that we expected them to be. Possibly a lack of cohesion, a lot of changes, a lot of chopping and change in particular. So are you buying into their chances after one big win or would you still be sceptical as a, granted as a neutral, but, you know, helping out their USC friends? I I don't know. I think um, Argentina have been quite an enigma across this World Cup. They flattered to beat England early on but if they didn't have like soap on their hands for 80 minutes like that game could have been completely completely different and I think that's where if they can get that attack flowing they will put Wales under pressure like Carreras and Buffelli are, I've started to kind of hit 
hit their straps in that sense of like Buffetti just finding gaps and just being in the right place at the right time again. And that's something from a winger, especially knockout rugby, that could be just really, really essential. For them, I think Matera is going to be a huge loss, like Falatau will be for Wales. I think that's how this game now has opened up with those two players missing. The, like the two key players in the back row for both teams now going means the back row is going to more so than usual choose um signify the outcome of this game and if Jack Morgan keeps up his his form I think he could be ha- have the major influence on this game but depend if Argentina can keep it out of it being kind of grudge rook warfare I'd edge it more then but if this game slows down at all I think you'd have to favour Wales. It's I'd like fifty five forty five for me Wales if I was putting money on it or anything like that. That's where how I, how I, how I'm edging at the moment. I, I momentarily zoned out and thought you were calling for a fifty five forty five classic, and I was thinking fair enough. But like we all have another game to catch after that. Like <laughs> calm down, this moment, man. But no, I I can definitely see that. And Harley, I I might just come back to you on. The, the Welsh team it was named I didn't have in the run in order but just because <laughs> didn't know when we'd be getting team sheets as we record on Thursday night Jack Morgan moves to 6 with Tommy Raffle at 7 and Aaron Rainwell at 8 to accommodate Falatow missing out in particular Dan Bigger is back at 10 Um, there's a start for Ryan Elias at Hooker alongside Gareth Thomas and Thomas Francis it's probably not the the most high profile Welsh team but when you look at the pieces that are there, you can see why they're what they've won four from four, the beating and the warm ups, because that that's exactly the team that you would want to just go out there and execute the game plan that we spoke about beforehand, where they're gonna make a lot of tackles, they're gonna be defensively sound. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well with having bigger back, you know, that that kicking game and having two sevens. So if you look at when Wales have been getting turnovers on the floor, it's not been the typical you get a, a nice nice chop tackling and straight over the ball. It's more from our wingers chasing hard and tackling the tackling whoever's receiving the kick. And then particularly against Georgia, Tommy Reffel getting straight over the ball. And that's given us not only the advanced field position from the kick, but then we've got the penalty and whether we're kicking three or we're going to the corner. You know, it's a lot of pressure that. So I think this is I think um I think you're right about it being about about the back row and is it is is there for for Kunda Isa going to improve his team or be more of a detriment than Tommy Reffel is. Um, and then you've got Chris Schoenzer coming on the bench, which again shifts the back row balance completely there. Um, Elias coming in, I think, makes sense. He's been our best hooker of the three. I never, I know Derry Lake's co-captain and stuff, and he's gone to the bench, but Gatlin's proven that he will drop a captain if they're not. You know, he did it with Matthew Reese in 2011. You know, you know and there's injuries... He's, you know, he'd rather have the 15 players that can execute that game plan than a captain or a symbol. And I think that's the thing that's typified with this 15 and actually the wider 23. They're all they're all hard workers, and that's what Gatlin puts all his stock in. You know, you know everything about a Gatlin team is about working hard and being fitter and getting there and getting there. Um, one of the things about the ball being slow, every so the every the four slowest average ruck balls in any game have all come from Wales' opponents during the pool stage. So I think uh, Squid Rugby did a vid- release a video last night and, you know, Argentina, Portugal and Georgia and uh, Fiji for that matter were all one, sec- one second slower than the ruck average 
So I think you know that I know you know that's been done more through tackle choice and trying to slow up before we hit the deck because they know we haven't got the players to absolutely smash people backwards. So Gatlin's you know when the Mike for sure he's made it a lot cuter and actually tried to slow the ball down before the ref would necessarily get involved normally. Yeah, and that's probably going to be key because we've seen what um, Mateo Carreras in particular did off that quick rook ball against Japan. Like he was, every time he touched the ball, he looked like he'd score. Like it's very rare a hat-trick hero doesn't get the best try of the game or, you know, <laughs> says that. But that Argentinian attack was frightening at times. And Ben, I might just come to you for Argentina for a minute, if you don't mind, because they have, they were in England's pool. You know, they have some high profile players, you know, you look at Montoya, you look at Kramer, Isa, Kubeli, the Carreras's, Chocobares, and Walker's Mali at full back and Milian Buffelli in the wing as well, I should say. But they are without Paolo Matera. He's out. A huge loss for them. Do you think they still have what it takes to to win this game, to get to a, a semi final, even without their inspirational leader of Matera? I think what we've all alluded to, and we all know as a fact, is that what Argentina do better than anyone else, their calling card for years, even before Checa took over, is they can look like they have nothing much for three, four games. And then suddenly, because of the personnel they have and the structure they have, they could suddenly put in a, a performance which is on par with the top three, four teams in the world. So... It's a cliche, but you can never write off Argentina because of the players you mentioned. Buffelli can win games. Montoya can win games. A lot of players in that team can win games. And I think even on paper, even the way the teams are performing, Argentina's team is, is better on paper than Wales. So I think if, if I had to choose, I'd pick Wales. But you can never write off Argentina, especially with the team they've got at the moment. Absolutely. And... Park, we'll, we'll get into predictions now. It's all of these games are, are a coin flip in their own regard, but which way do you see quarterfinal number one going? I can see Wales winning it because of the, the old adage hard work wins when talent doesn't work. I think that's very much what that Wales team's about. And if Argentina doesn't click that work rate, that just constant go, 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 that Wales do, we'll, we'll get them over the line. Ben, I'll come to you before we go to the, our Welshman in the panel. Which way do you see it going? I think Wales by by three points. Tight one. And Harley, is it is it uh, going to be... I, I'm going to say Wales, so are we going to go four for four or are you going to be the, the pessimistic one of the bunch? Uh, absolutely no. I I think uh, Wales are going to win probably by, by about five or six. Um, I think it will depend how quickly Wales can start. So we've started quite fast and then just allowed team co- to go back to us. So I think if if Wales can do the same, similar thing to what England did to Argentina and basically just get that scoreboard rolling really early on, I could see it being a bit messier. But but I mean, you could you can't write Argentina off, particularly if they're emotionally up for the game. The question is: Is did they play? Did they expend that one game playing against Japan? Yeah, and it's it's been a theme of passport cups. Sometimes teams have that big performance and they have a massive come down afterwards. We're all saying Wales, but I feel like we're not all going to have the same winner of the next quarterfinal. It's Ireland against New Zealand, Saturday night lights in Paris, or to quote um, 
our our former friend, our former guest on the pod, friend of the pod, Harry Jones, stad the zombie, as we might as well call it now, because the Irish have taken over Paris, world number one against three time champions, a team who's never won a quarter final against a team who's only lost one quarter final. It's a new rivalry. All these talking points, Park, for eighty minutes of rugby and. I should throw it in here. You were bold in your pre-tournament predictions. You felt like Ireland can win the World Cup, never mind just this game. So surely, no more than the rest of us, your nerves are starting to kick in now as well. You'd be foolish not to be nervous. Like nerves, are like you're at a quarterfinal. This is one-off game. Anything can happen. But I still think Ireland have the tools to beat this New Zealand team. I am. Um, I think one of the big things for Ireland is being able to field back to back twenty threes from last week's game. I think that's going to really help the co- cohesion. I think at this stage we're at, you have three games left. You're playing if you're fit. You know there is no there is no tomorrow, and I think we've seen that in the Irish selection. Um, I think our defence has been very very good all tournament. If we go, I just look back to that Scotland that ten minutes after we scored our try, Keith has gone out three or four times in a row. The eighteen phase set in particular was just phenomenal. Exactly, and like you look at those things, you're kind of going, "All right, we're defending really well," and then you see how we're attacking. Where we we have constant options, we have so many strings to our bow. Looking at New Zealand, I think we're going to maul a lot more than we have. I think that's quite a bit of a weakness going into that game. But yeah, I'm nervous. New Zealand are an incredible team. They have that ability just to score from nothing. Um but I don't think we're a team that will give them those chances enough to let them come into the game. And I don't think Joe Schmidt's set-piece moves will scare Ireland, as Johnny Sexton said, he's not the one on the pitch. And it's ironic coming from Johnny when he was, you know, the on-field coach in the Joe Schmidt era. But it's a fair point. Like New Zealand, outside of set-piece, have looked a little bit bland at times. You know, they, they've scored some wonderful individual tries, but in terms of going four, five, six, seven phases, you know, they could not do it against France. They looked so rudderless at that stage. And Harley, still at the end of the day, this this is the All Blacks. Like, I know, I know there's been a bit of bashing here in Ireland, a bit of joking around, oh, it's only New Zealand. We can't even call them the All Blacks anymore. But like, it still feels like they're underdogs. And I'll I'll ask you to put on your partial hat here, but how good are they really? Because that poulet was a cakewalk. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think the big the big issue is just I don't want to I don't want to be bashing them, but Italy really disappointed. Like because it like they basically let one try in, they defended reasonably well, let one in, at one missed tackle, that's another try, and then you could just see the head drop, and that was it. They just you know they've they've gone they've gone to the post match already, so I I haven't seen like the team looked very much like Joe Smith's Island, and when they look when it looks good, it looks really fantastic, but it looks fragile, and I think if there's any team in world rugby who'll be able to defend Joe Schmidt's attacking plans, it's a team coached by Joe Schmidt's former defence coach, <laughs> who knows what most of his attacking plans were. Yep. Yeah. That's that's absolutely huge. Like Andy Farrell was defense coach for Ireland before he, he took the job, and like it still feels like as much as all the talk about oh what can New Zealand do in attack, they're going to need an awful lot better of a of a forward performance as well from what we've seen last summer because 
okay, De Groot and Lomax have come in the last 12 months and have been fantastic, but they weren't there and their scrum was going backwards. Scotty Barrett wasn't at the same level. Whitelock was starting and was being outplayed. Their back row struggled for large periods in those three games. So there is there's a huge part of New Zealand needing to be at their best in, in the tight exchanges. Ben, like these are, they're definitely two of the most impressive teams. There's no doubt about that. So with that in mind, like where do you see it being one loss? Do you think it'll be forward battle? Do you think it'll be high scoring? How do you see it going? I think like a lot of big test matches recently and like a lot of uh, knockout rugby games, it will be defence. It will be... Yeah, when when Ireland defend dominantly, they win games and they win games well. And that's one of the, the signatures of this Andy Farrell team is the defence. If they keep New Zealand to one, maybe even two tries, then they'll win the game. They'll score two tries against this New Zealand defence. Um I just think I was thinking about it today, and I think it's just sad that we're going to lose one of these these teams from this tournament because they've given so much to this tournament. I want to see both teams in the semi final, and I also think that if it wasn't for the the, the quarter final curse, the the fabled quarter final curse, I think pretty much everyone who watches rugby and who's watched this World Cup would have Ireland banked as their as their favourite to win the final. It's just this stage they need to get past and then once once they've got through this quarter final which I think they will then I don't know who can stop them well, there's a there's a reason why a lot of the column inches here for the last couple of months have been it's quarter final or final for Ireland because mm. realistically if they do get past the quarter final bar 2015 you know plethora of injuries like they should be getting to a final they are a better team than anyone on the other side of the draw um just because we have the team sheets to us as we record, you mentioned Ireland, largely the same 23, just um, Joe McCarthy in, in the number 19 shirt for James Ryan, who's injured, and Jimmy O'Brien comes into the bench. Now, considering Mac Hansen only trained for the first time yesterday, and we're not even 100% sure if he fully trained, that feels like a decision there. But... Having the likes of McCarthy, Jack Conan is kind of just back on the on the playing scene, and Jimmy O'Brien coming into the squad makes you realize that's a pretty good Irish twenty three as as a unit. Yeah, I think that's been the big difference this World Cup compared to other years. We actually have a better twenty three than we've had coming a tournament full stop. So any any time we've like even four years ago, eight years ago, twelve years ago. I don't think you could name a better 23. Maybe starting 15 have been better, possibly. You know, individual players. But I think as a 23, depth-wise, we can kind of go into a 27, 30-player squad that could genuinely come in. And they're not just doing a job. You're not kind of going, who's that? You know, you're kind of, there's a squad there that's ready to play and ready to have impact. I think a big thing about the couple of games is our bench is coming on and not just doing a job, they're coming in and having an impact on the game. You know, Kelleher is an incredible replacement for Sheehan, but even if Kelleher wasn't there, Herring brings something when he comes on the pitch. Kilcoyne, Finley, they're doing huge shifts in defense when they're coming on, and that's from your sub props. I should that's probably add stuff. in there you mean Finley Beelham and not um Finley Christie. <laughs> because the, there's going to be two for one of the first times probably ever. <laughs> Very true. Finley Beelham. No, our, our, our Finley. Like, Joe, I'm looking forward to see what Joe McCarthy brings. I think 
if he comes on with 15, 10 minutes left in the game, that raw physicality he brings will genuinely have a huge impact, especially at the breakdown, if his decision-making is as good as it has been this tournament. But yeah, it's more the the bench that I'm more impressed by of what they can bring more than our starting 15, because we know what our, our starting 15 can do. We know what Van der Flair, Caelan Doris, and Gibson Park are, are going to bring. Like, O'Mahony in the line-out is going to be huge. I think we're going to, especially as New Zealand need that to launch from, and they need their scrum to launch from, I think having Porter and Furlong have some of their best games that they need to have. Look, I think Ireland can win this, but we have to have an 80-minute performance. This can't be, we can't drift in and out of a game. It's got to be the game of our tournament this far we have to play better than we did against South Africa to have a chance and to make sure we can win this game uh, I I agree 100% and Harley it's a New Zealand squad who okay maybe compared to 2019 they're they're not the team on paper that they were but still as you mentioned Ethan DeGroote has come in Tyrell Lomax has come into the squad and made them better Shannon Frizzell is another Mark Talea does miss out due to injury, but he was a player who had made them a better team in that back line. What do you make of the the New Zealand twenty three that's that's been picked? Um, I mean, it's it's. I mean, there's, there's quite a few interesting decisions. If so, um, obviously, even the group comes back in from his band. So first thing is, how fit is he going to be? Because he basically got a red card first game, football second game, and then just hasn't played for four weeks. So is he going to be ready and up for it? Because I think that's going to be important, particularly going up against Furlong, who may not be the tight Furlong of 2019, but he's still one of the best tight ends in the world. I'm sure some South African listeners will correct me and tell me there's at least 20 better ones there playing in the Curry Cup. Um, I think Mark Talea actually has missed out due to a, 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 a breach of team rules. Apparently, yeah, broke actually, I probably should have said that. You're right. Jeff uh, moved those bags yeah. well enough. I thought I was sweeping yeah. the sheds, but okay. <laughs> yeah, he only swept. He only swept the uh, home sheds, not the away. So uh, oh, he got okay. them. I mean, you still got for me possibly the best scrum half in the world, Aaron Aaron Smith. I know that's controversial with it, with the Pompey on the field, but I'm long of the opinion Antoine Dupont is the best player in the world. But for everything you want a scrum half to do, Aaron Smith is is your man. Um, yeah, no, I, I quite like Dalton Powerfully. I think he's probably playing better than Sam Kane. If Sam Kane wasn't the uh, captain, I don't think he'd be in there. Was it uh, was it Pete Mar- Amani uh, in the tour to tour down there who said he's just a shit Richie McCall? Yeah, and, and I'd say he'll double down. <laughs> um, it's it's an interesting squad. Whitelock coming Whitelock coming on on off off the bench. So I think him and Joe McCarthy uh, that's going to be quite a tasty matchup when they both on. But you know both. Both quite physical locks. D Mac on the bench. I mean, there's a lot of calls to have him starting and actually dropping Bowden Barrow, which suddenly was, was unthinkable 12 months ago. That I mean, he's been impressive this tournament so far. But then again, you've got to judge the opposition he was playing against. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting squad. It's definitely not the best. I'm is I'm still not convinced Rico Ioani's a, a defensively sound 13. Um so I think Ren Rose and Aki are gonna have a lot of fun with that. Well, we but hope it's so. A, yeah, it's an interesting squad, but I, yeah, I we'll go on to predictions later. But I, I think Ireland will do it. Yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned McKenzie because 
I hold the belief that Damian McKenzie is a world-class fullback, he's a world-class attacker, but if Ireland are up by seven, eight, nine points and he's coming on and he goes into 10, I'd probably be more confident. Do you know, we've seen him in the Super Rugby final trying to chase things and that's what he's great to do because he's got that attacking spark, but Ireland aren't, you know, the Waratahs, they're not Namibia. Like, they're one of the best packs at smothering you, one of the best defences, as Ben and Porek have touched on. Like, that is a very different type of pressure. It'd be interesting to see how he goes. I think someone like Leonard Brown, like Papa Lee, they're probably safer choices on the bench. So, aside from maybe McKenzie, even Christie over Roygaard, you're probably looking at getting in front and trying to see it out with this squad because we know that Ireland and what they are bringing off the bench can win a game. We've seen Conor Murray do it. We've seen, you know, the likes of Keller and Beelham and Conan. We've seen these guys be game changers. So that is absolutely crucial. Ben, I'll start the predictions off with yourself. You're, you're, you haven't been asked to, to vote anyway. I, I should assure everyone of that. But how do you see this one going? Uh, in the nicest way possible to the two Irish people on the call right now, I'd love nothing more than for Ireland to go home simply because if they dominate this game, it, it takes a lot of fun out of the tournament of, uh, <laughs> of who's going to win. We, we but, have been slightly boring, like 17 in a row is, it's a bit much like. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does get boring after a while. So I would love for New Zealand to win, but I think Ireland will win by, by two points. You you you're really calling the tight games. I I love it. <laughs> um, Harley, you're a URC friend of ours. Surely you're going to say Ireland, even though maybe not. Uh no, uh, so I was on David O'Sullivan's uh community Limerick Radio show, uh, and I I made the bold prediction that you know if it's not this World Cup, when will Ireland win one? And I I have not seen anything from any team to change my mind on that. So I'm I'm thinking Ireland by about 12. Oh, that, you see, that I like, because I, I don't want the last-minute anguish of the South Africa game all over again. I can't, I can't do that for three weeks in a row. A little Boric. bit more like the Scotland game, where New Zealand will make themselves look better at the end. Nice. And we'll be singing the Fields of Athenry after 60 seconds. I, I like that. I, I'd, I'd like that as a start. For Sam Kane said today that no matter what they do, whether they win or lose, they won't be able to silence the Irish crowd. It's going to be absolutely huge that, as I said, Ireland have taken over Paris. There's 15,000 people flying out of Dublin alone for this game. It feels, as Parley said, as Shane Horgan has said, if it's not now, when's it going to be? But it does feel like it could be now. It's mad to think this is the World Cup that was meant to be in Ireland. And we've just made well. it an Irish World Cup, you know, and in Again, a way... Again, the Uruguayans will still be finding their way out of Thurles as we speak. Uh, but I think, for me, it's a 10-plus point win for Ireland. I, I just... I think we have enough to win this by double digits of some description. Um, There's just... We are playing the better rugby at the moment. But if you give New Zealand the sniff, they will get take their points... And it's all about making sure we take our chances when they come up, which we've been progressively getting better at since that South Africa game and reducing New Zealand's ability to score. And I think we definitely have the ability to do that. Well, you say, 
what what you said was a 10 10 plus yeah yeah ireland's last three victories over new zealand were 9 11 and 10 points yeah. so there is an element of if ireland do go out there and perform you know as we've seen with so many other games like this france game in the six nations winning by five points isn't really something that happens too often the south africa game was an exception i if i get a chance i might do a a mini podcast myself on this tomorrow just to go into greater detail but I just feel like I'm I feel incredibly nervous as you said if you're not nervous before this game you may never be but it just everything from I was in Goa City the weekend of the Tonga game the day of the Tonga game and there was people wearing green and there was a buzz about the World Cup being on and the pubs were advertising it and there was a lot of people tuning in and then the South Africa game came and I'd never seen anything like that for a non-Six Nations game, for a non-England Six Nations game even because they're usually the ones that stand out. And then the Scotland game came around and I couldn't get over the buzz again. And now, I I hope she doesn't mind me asking, my sister isn't a big rugby fan. She sent me on the link of Matt Hansen and James Ryan set to be real out and said, can we still win without these guys? Like that's the level that this is getting to. This is 80% of people in the country in, on the island will be watching this game. There'll be 60,000 over at it. If not now, then when are they going to do it? I don't know. This is <laughs> I our time. Sin- I sincerely hope it is our time. I hope there's no cards. I hope there's no bitching or moaning by whoever loses or, or even wins because that does happen sometimes too. I I hope I hope we do it. Harley, do you want to jump in there? I just I just want to put one thing in, just just to make you a bit a, a bit more nervy. Oh, so yeah, you mentioned that's exactly you've what mentioned, we need. <laughs> you you you've mentioned obviously that Ireland's on the you know what is a record for them uh, seventeen game winning streak. Uh, obviously, the last team they lost to was New Zealand. Yeah, in Eden Park though, like. <laughs> Everyone lives yeah. in Eden Park. Yeah, I mean, I, the record for winning, for losing, for teams for New Zealand winning Eden Park, so even better. But I was going to say, it's one more win to draw with England and New Zealand for Tier 1 consecutive wins. Because yeah. obviously Cyprus let's, had that weird forget Cyprus, run. yeah. Yeah, who, but I think most of their games were against Malta or someone. So, But all I'm saying is, you get to 18 and then normally you lose the next game. Just putting it out there. I, I might even take it if it means we don't have four more years of quarterfinal talk, to be honest. <laughs> because, Jesus, the Scots haven't done anything in 20 years and they're still talking about getting to a World Cup semi-final in the 90s. Hey, you leave reigning Five Nations champion Scotland out of this, okay? Yeah, but Scarlet's are the reigning Pro 12 champions. Like, you know. And so, it's a reigning Mabel Cup. Cup. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is going down a, a tangent I did not predict to have, to have to deal with, I must say. So four people going for Ireland, one more anxious than the rest, I think is is fair to say. But I, I think we're all going to enjoy this game, especially the neutral. I think you're in for an absolute classic. Maybe not the case with quarterfinal number three in Marseille, especially if it's promised to rain out of the heavens Um, for that one. England against Fiji. It's the finalists of four years ago who were under a wave of doubt. But then Fiji, known for their flying, frantic rugby, they're not exactly flying it either. 
Ben, as as a lot of people have have said, it feels like England should be winning this. But Fiji probably don't have as much pressure now after that loss. But then maybe there's more. It it's hard to know what the sense is. But where do you stand ahead of this game? I have zero confidence in this current England team. We we could be playing anyone in the world, and I wouldn't guarantee a win. Uh, is I that think... hyper? Is that hyperbole, or is that like genuine zero? Well, in this game in particular, I I have zero confidence. I I think out of the two teams, we we will win, but I wouldn't put a penny on on us winning because even with the team selection we've seen, we. <laughs> It's not the official team as we've seen so far, but the Telegraph nearly always get it spot on. And the, to drop Freddie Stewart after he started every single game in the last three years or so at 15, it makes no sense to me. To bring in someone who's uh, never played a game at fullback until this tournament, who's a fly half to start a fullback in a World Cup quarter final, drop George Ford. I think. The dropping George Ford part stinks of a game that he wants to win in the last 20, 10 minutes. He's going to bring on George Ford and expect him to win the game, which means he thinks he'll be close in the last 20, 15, 10 minutes, which in itself doesn't bring me much confidence. Um, I think, again, as I said before about the Island game, defence will win the game. We, we've conceded three tries up to this point in the tournament. The the least of any team. Yeah, we've had a really easy pool compared to most teams, but I think if we can keep them to one, two tries, that's going to win the game. But if if we let them break away and let them rack up three or four tries, we, we could we could get thumped. Well, it, it is a great point again about defence, but I suppose England didn't have to deal with the attacking quality that is Romania, like some of us did. But <laughs> listen, it, it's a fair. It's it is one thing that we mentioned the last day. I I said it to Sam, like I don't know if England's defence is in spite of Kevin Sinfield or because of Kevin Sinfield, because it looks like they make so many tactical errors or defensive lapses, but they're still not conceding tries, and you you have to hand that to them. Boric probably. As Ben said, with the the selection that we're expecting, no Stewart, forward on the bench, Smith at fifteen, marching back to thirteen, like it's now a hallmark of Borthwick's year to be incohesive with constant changes. What what's your thoughts on again further rotation ahead of a World Cup quarterfinal? It feels to me that Borthwick doesn't doesn't know his best team or really how he wants to play because he clearly has ideas of what he wants to do but he seems to not know how to implement them I'd say if he had taken over the team a year previously he wouldn't have Farrell in there for example I think this team would have a completely different look I I don't think Borthwick had the ability to get rid of the players he didn't know what to do with so he's just trying to make do with what he has or what is considered the best 33-ish for his game plan. I think the hallmark for England for this World Cup is luck. To be honest, they just, they have seen to get luck when they've needed it. If you think of the the headed on try, you know, that seemed to open up the, the floodgates against Japan when they couldn't seem to get going. Argentina not being able to hold on to a ball, like I said earlier. There, that's that's something you can you can use. When you're getting lucky, not having cohesion suddenly is, gets made up for very quickly. And 
I don't know. I, I just see them keeping it tight, keeping it physical. And I would have started forward for his kicking game to just keep Fiji pinned and keep them back and make them play from deep as much as possible. They've been a poor attack inside so far, which isn't like them. Yes, and I I think what they've done is they've tried to add layers to their game, but instead of adding a layer, they just, instead of going, this is how we play, and when we get the chance, we'll do these things. They're kind of going, let's just play conservatively. They're not mixing it. Fiji are mixing and matching what they're doing very well. I am, um, And I see England just keeping the ball tight and trying to tire Fiji out physically through making them make tackles and make them run up and down the pitch. And in the last 20, it'll hopefully open up for them. This won't, this will be a one-on-one on how to beat the perceived notion of what a Pacific nation, how a Pacific nation team plays. Fiji have added more strings to their bow this year. I think anyone can see that, but how much, how much they have left in their legs. And I think that's what will worry England more than anything else. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Fiji now. Early because obviously they were in Wales's pool and in Pool C come second out of that one, but they started the pool stages so strong they really should have beaten Wales in that first game in in Bordeaux. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Not that it was ever talked about, but then they they beat Australia it was an incredible result. But then to scrape past Georgia and lose to Portugal, like. I don't know. It, I don't want to say downward spiral, but it certainly feels like that wave of expectation that kicked in after they beat Australia is starting to just suffocate them a tiny bit. I do think you want to take some of the uh, the things into into context as well. So losing Caleb Munts, you know, their first choice fly half is pinty, and the game management and just how slick he is. I do think they've been a little bit. Actually, I think they've been a bit too keen trying to spread it right, and usually there was issues of lost patience. And I think this is Fiji trans. Weirdly, I think this is Fiji's transition into a tier one. So when you get the lower side, so I know Ireland in the past, or you wouldn't accuse them of it now. They're far too ruthless, but Wales certainly, Scotland, Italy. When it comes up to a, you know, they raise their game for other tier one sides, but when it was a team they were expected to beat comfortably. They almost take it for granted and then they'll try. So like for the Portugal game, Fiji actually made a heap of changes and took a lot that rested a lot of their best players in anticipation for this quarter final, knowing they only needed one point. And, you know, Wales have gotten as, as they're used to these sort of squeaky bum, squeaky bum tier two clashes. So, you know, we're, it, you know, it never looks pretty, but at least we usually come out on the right side. And I think that's where Fiji have failed. I think... One thing I think that Fiji need to try and stay away from is try and have as few lineouts in the game as possible. It's a tactic that worked for Gatland when when it was Eddie Jones England as well, where you know our, our lineout is historically weak, so we keep the ball on field and go for fitness. Because actually, this Fiji team won't tire out as quickly as most tier two sides because Simon Roy Louis really embedded in their idea that this fitness and the fitness is clarity, and with clarity you can execute better, and you know we can. He basically said, if you want to have more fun rugby for the whole 80 minutes, you've got to get fitter. And that's helped. And I think he did a very nice symbolic gesture, which for Portugal, you know, great for Portugal. But with giving all every single one of those match jerseys versus Portugal, he gave it to the Portuguese players and staff. And it was almost like a, right, that's a line. We forget about that. Right. England. So I think that's the thing. I think one good thing for Fiji is this scrum is, it's not a, you know, it's probably not a weapon 
but it's a stable enough platform that will, you know, England will probably try and target it, but they may won't get as much change as they would hope. So I think that's going to level it a bit, and they do have the the um, ability to go through. I think one thing is going to be Simon Matt has um, not uh, Joshua to us over. Sorry, uh, you know, and all the off field issues he's had. Uh, you know, I don't want to assume that he. You know, I'm sure if he didn't think he was able to play, he would. He'd have bowed himself out. But that's got to affect you. So, I, I mean, if I'm England, I'd be just kicking it, kicking it into touch every possible thing because they've got a decent they've got such a good defensive line out that it's almost their line out ball particularly with how bad Fiji have been and probably in in contrast to the team that that Borthwick is expected to select that slower game does kind of suit England because they do have a lot of the artillery to do it and if they can just you know rely on their defense rely on their kicking game you'd imagine they'll have too much you mentioned Simon Raleigh there probably should say in terms of his off-field work, his on-field work, he remember, he only started the job this year. Like, it's easy to forget that. Vern Cotter, Vern Cotter was over them last November and he departed. He has done an amazing job and he is 80 minutes from one of the greatest results in Fiji rugby history. And listen, a lot of people will be sporting Fiji. As we know, it's, it's natural, especially against England, but it's natural because it's Fiji anyways. It would be remarkable if they do, but it's it's hard to see. I feel like, and I I don't, I don't know which way to go. Ben, I might just before we get into predictions, I might just get your thoughts on the selection calls that were expected just in full. Um, it sounds like Freddie Stewart making way, George Ford making way. Um, not a hundred percent well versed myself. So, do you want to just take us through that first before we get into predictions? I mean, I wish I could explain it. I I thought. If it was me in the head coach role, which is not, but I'd I'd start Ford and I'd have Farrell off the bench for impact. Um, I think Ford's been better the last twelve months when he's been fit, and I think Ford's been better this tournament. But I, I expected uh, Borthwick to go with Ford and Farrell with Smith off the bench and with Stewart. So I, I wish I could explain why why Stewart's been dropped, but it, it's it's not happened. He, we've never gone into a big game without Freddie Stewart at fullback, there was rumours of him being pushed out to the wing, which just show you how important he is to this team, that you can't you can't drop Freddie Stewart. He, he adds so much and he's gelled with the players around him. So to drop him at this stage after starting him all through the groups, it, there must be a reason why, but I, I couldn't tell you what it is. Um, I think Marchant's a lot better at 13 than he is on the wing, but... At the same time, is is that going to be enough facing off against uh, Naikalevu? I don't know. It's a big one. And Naikalevu, who had a disappointing game last time around, he's certainly going to be seeking to, to have a bounce-back performance. To his Sova, you would expect a big performance for him with, a, with everything that's been going on in the background. And yeah, it is. there are questionable calls. Like even just the fact that an England team whose defence has been so good, sure, it is a big reason for that. Yes, he can be slow on the turn and things like that, but he's nine times out of ten, he's defensively rock solid and safe as houses. So it is a big call. Park, I'll start with yourself on predictions. Marseille, Sunday afternoon, England against Fiji. Name your winner. My head 
says England, my heart says Fiji, and if Levani Batia has the game of the tournament, Fiji win. I think Batia will have some Batia's ability to just uh, to impact the game on a fundamental level. And if he has a good game, I can see it swinging Fiji's way. But I think no matter how England are playing, the Fiji game pre World Cup aside, they have the ability to just win games. Like they're expected to win, if that makes sense. And yeah. um, I would just, I'd give them the slight edge, like I did. I go 60 40 England Fiji, if that makes sense, in my confidence and, and how it's going to go. But yeah, I, I would slightly favor England, but it's head and heart. My, my heart says Fiji can do it. My head says England have just enough. If, but if the changes happen, that squad and that back line has so many changes that it makes no visible sense to what we know then who knows because that's just that could really stabilize what you're doing absolutely harley we've won on the board for england so far are you going to make it two uh i i predicted that an england win by about 11 on my own pod uh as much as it pains me to ever to ever go for england but i just I, i can see it just being one of those Typical things you just they're just gonna kick Fiji to death. And it's just gonna it's not gonna be pretty, but it'll be effective. And yeah. everyone will be booing them, same way as everyone was booing Wales when they played Fiji and did a fairly similar game plan of just keep keeping pinned in their own twenty-two and you know, and then there was line up, you know, we scored off line up malls, punky, punky inside balls when the defense got a bit a bit excited. Uh I mean, I'd love to say Fiji by twelve, but unfortunately, yeah, the head the head wins out in these sorts of things for me. Listen, if if Park or I actually can't remember who said it. Apologies. Um, it comes right and Bodia has a huge performance. You never know. Maybe that kind of turnover ball and playing off scraps. Maybe they can do something. But I'm in the same boat as yourself. I actually don't mind this English team. I think at the core of it all, there's a lot of lads that you would root for if they weren't in an England shirt um, but then I'm saying that as Owen Farrell and Owen Farrell's pantomime villain number two in the world by Johnny Sexton so maybe that's just me Um, I think England will win this as well I think they'll win it by honestly about 10 points because I feel like they will just frustrate Fiji and they'll push on in the last couple of minutes Ben we've been pretty much all agreeing with each other so far I know you've no faith to put your money where your mouth is but would you still call England to win this one? I think it'll be it'll be very similar to the Samoa game. I think it'll be a a boring, slow game if we get our way. I think they'll come out of the blocks and there'll be a try up at half time, and then the forty to sixty minute interval will be crucial. And I think we'll we'll win it late on, and we'll win by five points. I think that's all fair and. Our last game of the night, it could be a potential classic. It could be the best of the lot. France, the tournament hosts, South Africa, the defending champions in Paris. It'll be vibrant, it'll be partisan, it'll be exciting. Like, listen, Harley, it doesn't get much better than this for a World Cup quarterfinal. You've been there, you've seen the amazing atmosphere in France. It's hard not to imagine that that cauldron that Stade France can be won't be a huge factor for France on Sunday night. I, I mean it's gonna be I mean I, I just wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my trip in reverse. So coming into Bristol Airport, 
and on the wall in front of you as you get as you get through customs please leave immediately which i'll be honest is the uk following policy at the moment but we won't go we won't go we won't go too political but when you go in, when i got into leon airport you had the pomp you had untermack i know he's not in and you had olive on you had Dante, you know, you and then as you got out of the airport, you saw them all again and again, and they are plastered everywhere. They are, you know, they are being treated like football footballers are in the UK terms. It's and like and just the French chanting. So when we were on our packed tram going into the stadium, you were, you know, Welsh fans were singing up songs, and then the French were doing it and and just ripping. You know, if you, I, I, my French is terrible, but I got. What they were saying, I won't. I won't uh, repeat it on this uh, on this podcast. But it was not flattering. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> but you know, and they are up for this. Now that could be a huge. That could be a benefit to France. But we've also seen it in the past. It could it could be a problem. And if South Africa can, if South Africa can turn turn the French crowd, then that pressure is going to pile on. And I genuinely have no idea which way this game's going to go. I mean, Dupont being back and fit is going to be a huge bonus. But then, you know, rumours about Pollard and Anne coming back for South Africa are equally huge. They're, they are, and like South Africa could go 5-3, Like That's going to take up headlines tomorrow morning when the team is announced. Like France looks like they'll have Dupont back on the flip side of things. Wait, did I say France or South Africa? You, you, you got the joke. And it was um, regardless of which nation I said. But there's so many different angles you can look at this game at. But, and I'll put this one to yourself, Ben, like France have looked close to unbeatable for about two, three years now. They'll get Dupont back. Jalibert's found his groove. Dupont has, or not Dupont, Penno has been what Demi Penno can be. It just feels like they are finding that extra gear at the right time. Yeah, 100%. I think um, I, I, I've had France as my favourites to win for about a year and it hasn't really changed for a single minute of, of that year. But um, I think they're being eased into it in a nice way. I think stylistically, New Zealand is the easiest game of the three top four. And then it's South Africa and then Ireland's their, their hardest game stylistically. So if, if they if they get through this challenge and face Ireland in the final, it'd be quite poetic if they can overcome all three or, or not. But I I don't see France having many problems with South Africa. As much as South Africa are one of the three best teams in the world, I I think um I think France will have too much in the forward pack and in the backs as well. Okay. Um Porik will we'll move on to South Africa before we before we wrap things up. Like yeah, they lost to Ireland. They're, that doesn't make you a bad team, not by any stretch of the imagination. But, oh, oh, sorry, go on. No, I'm just going to say, like, it feels like they probably have the tools to beat France in terms of their power, their set piece, maybe slowing the, the game down just enough that it becomes more of a physical battle. Yeah, I think, I think South Africa will have to play to their strengths. Like, they'll have to, to maul and play that set piece a set piece type of game but then again France like that as well this is really weird their their styles kind of will clash and this will be pure brutal physicality um 
I think the big call for South Africa, it's Pollard versus Libok. And that's that's the big call in that game. I think if Pollard starts, that gives them flexibility in their bench and what they're trying to do and how they can impact the game. Because Libok can come on and literally change what the game is. Whereas France have their game plan, they stick to it. And DuPont comes off, their game changes, but what they're trying to do stays the same. Whereas South Africa have the ability to change it up with what they bring off the bench. It's can it be an 80 minute game for them? Like they have to silence the French crowd very quickly. Like New Zealand got that early try first match of the the tournament and the, the, the crowd in Paris went dead. Yeah. And if South Africa can get that try and then keep the ball in the French 22 and play territory, suddenly that inspiration that the French crowd can be will turn, you know, and that's, I think that's where the mind games, the strategies and those type of things that will benefit South Africa, but they have to start fast. And that's where the game could be won and lost in the first 10 minutes. Really could be. It's, it promises to be a cracker. It, um, I have said since the start of the tournament, I think South Africa will win this, but France have just kind of ticked the boxes even better than I expected. I thought they were really impressive in how they managed that New Zealand game in terms of, yeah, they look nervous, they look flustered at times, but they still got a bonus point win in the end. Like, you know, like that's what the very best teams do, you know, not just quarterfinal teams. And then, they dispatched of Italy with ease. Yeah, they were poor against Uruguay, but France's second team have consistently been kind of hit and miss. Um, they were cruel to Namibia, to put it that way, to put it mildly. And I, I just, I can't call it, to be honest. I feel like this will go down to the absolute wire. And Harley, I'll, I'll come to you first for predictions. Like, what, how do you think it's going to go? Who do you think is going to win it? Are we even going to have a win? Is it going to be a draw potentially? Like, well, I mean, if it goes to draw, then you know there's plenty of people who can kick for goal for France. But um, as for I, South I, Africa, I just want to there too. Well, South Africa, plenty of people who take take place kicks, not so many who uh, you you you'd back to slot them. But there are two big French losses for me that I think make this a lot less a lot more nervy. One of them is Roman Antomac, and that's no criticism of Matteo Jalibert. But there's something about the cool and calmness of Untermatt that, you know, remember everyone remembers that that one, you know, getting the ball on his own truck in his own dead ball area and somehow managing to make 50 meters and just knowing unknowing when to kick, I think is something that Jalibert is all right at, but he's not, you know, he is that step down, you know, is that like, you know, uh, was it, you know, Ross Byrne from Johnny Sexton will do the job and fit the system, but it's that Two or three percent, that needs, and I think the big one, particularly against the box, and I think this is the one of the few teams who I think France, you know, this uh, is Paul Vilmser, just because he's a bastard. And if there's anything you need against the South Africans, it's a bastard. Yeah, there's not, there's no better way of putting that. Like you just need a, a dogged ass of a background of a second or not sometimes like oh, oh, oh yeah either or you know if, you know in, in the war god's case uh back row but <laughs> that that's kind of what i was thinking as well which which way do you see it going then harry like 
Listen, I, I, I keep fl- yeah. I keep flip-flopping on it and every I think even once I've seen the team I think even after the game I'm still not going to be sure I'm leaning <laughs> I, I towards I feel like France you can be fairly confident afterwards now to be honest <laughs> I, I don't know I feel like it's going to be one of those where you're still not entirely sure what the what happened but yeah I, I, I'm going to go I'm going to lean on France by two I think it's I think it's been very tight it's going to be very physical yeah. okay Ben, I'll, I'll come to you next. Who's um, who's taking the spoils in this massive quarterfinal? I think if if France are patient and they don't lose their heads and they don't try to force anything, um, they'll win by five. Another tight matchup, and I I really hope we get the quarterfinals that you're expecting. I honestly <laughs> do. Um, Park to to round things out. We've been unanimous in every game so far. Are you going to keep it the same? Yeah, I th- I think it's going to be France by a kick of a ball. Either that's going to be a penalty or uh, in penalties after extra time, <laughs> which I think would be great for everyone's heart rate. No, I, I, I no, genuinely... no, 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 no. <laughs> I was in the Aviva from Munster to lose. That was the worst uh, experience of my life, those 10 minutes. I think the lack of proper hooker on South Africa's bench will be will have more impact then you'd expect I um the second that change happens watch France throw up at one at, at pot of, the pot at one every single time and go after the scrum every every chance they can um but I it's gonna be a kick of a ball I would favor France I if it's not done within the 80 minutes it will go to penalties and France will win uh when it comes to plays kicks like that I'd actually love to see that. Apart from the fact it'd be like eleven o'clock local time or eleven o'clock Irish time here. Um <laughs> no more than the people in France, like we're all to get up early in the morning, but it would be fantastic if we do get it. Listen, our predictions have been fairly good so far. Granted, we've only done predictions of Ireland games. So don't blame us if we end up getting uh Argentina against New Zealand and Fiji against South Africa in a week's time. I was going to say we're not Paul Williams, but he's been 100% accurate all tournament. Yeah, it's yeah. scary, isn't it? He's been better than the than the data guys. Yeah, the end is coming. I'm I'm convinced because he said about him having a cup of tea, not like a full teapot of tea. I'm, I'm convinced he's been replaced by someone. I think the Russians finally got to him. <laughs> God, this, this podcast has just gone from zero to political really quickly over the last couple of paragraphs. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Can I just point one thing out with our predictions as well? We've predicted the first World Cup semi-finals with not a single Southern Hemisphere team in it. Yes, I noticed that. Or I was going to bring that up. That is, that would be remarkable. Yeah, I, I think really... I think a lot of it's down to um, Australia and Argentina to a degree. They're all trying to play like New Zealand, and that's something that Northern Hemisphere teams are starting to. If you're if you can't do it well. It's gonna bite you and bite you in the end, and I think they're they're gonna find that out. This uh, Australia found it out. Argentina might find it out this weekend as well. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Listen, well, there's gonna be uh, two Irish guests, I believe, on Monday, and I can't remember who else, but hopefully, it is an Irish win that we're celebrating when we come back. The Monday night recap pod will, of course, be back as always to look back on the four quarterfinals 
depending on how it goes, it might only be three. It might only be one. We don't know which way we're going to go. Um, it's very result dependent. I, I don't have an editor to to um, talk, uh, talk to me and decide things. As always, gentlemen, to Ben, to Harley, to Park, thank you so, so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. It's been it's always great to get the outside perspectives on these games and even, you know, a different perspective as well on, on maybe an English game with yourself, Park or whatever. And thanks so much everyone for listening, for making this World Cup what it has been. A lot of fun to cover so far. As always, if you do like what you see or hear, please do subscribe and on link the lads' Twitter pages and various things down below. But for now, take it easy. And remember, in the words of Donico Callahan, we've already taken over Paris. Good night. Go easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.